You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile's heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 14, September 15th, 2016. Today's guest is Joel Semyuk, the co-founder and chief innovation officer of Imaginate, a global services organization with world headquarters in Winnipeg, Canada. Joel has been speaking and writing about Agile since its inception. Joel, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I'm really honored to be on it. Oh, we're happy to have you here because there's this rumor going around the Agile community, almost urban legend, that once in the early days of Agile, I think it was even before the signing of the Agile Manifesto, you were once physically removed from a building of a big corporation because you suggested that they, quote, go Agile. First of all, is that true? And second of all, if it is, can you give us some information about that? It is absolutely true, kind of. It was actually after the signing of the Agile Manifesto and actually when it started to become uh, more popular. It was in uh, about 2005, believe it or not where um, I was doing a lot of management consulting, uh, specifically around organizations that are looking to improve their, you know, their application lifecycle management practices, and Agile was a big part of that in, in many ways. So when I was doing uh, my kickoff meeting with the executive team, uh, you know, they were talking to me about my strategy and how I was going to work with the team, and I said, well, my goal is to uh, you know, in- introduce some Agile practices. Well. Um, that triggered a very negative response. Uh, there was some yelling. Uh, there was some um, profanity. What was the yelling about? Well, there, it, he basically said, um, there will be no agile in this organization. In this organization, we tell the de- developers what to do, not the other way around and proceeded me to, to, to escort me out of the building. That sounds very command and control. It was very command and control, and it wasn't even really a command and control type of an organization, believe it or not. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a medium-sized company that you know, had a fairly sized, you know, um, but yet not complex software development teams that were having some quality problems. And what we were just doing is just kind of taking a look at the root cause of their, prob- uh, their quality issues that they can get higher velocity. Um, and course. It makes sense to me at the time to start kind of introducing some Agile practices in it, but uh, apparently the term Agile was what had set him off. And I think that was something that I've struggled with for many, many years is the the term Agile. I remember walking into one organization, um, and again, I was uh, a management consultant going in to work with the team to uh, increase their, their proficiency. And I said, so, you know, what, what methodologies do you guys use? And they're like, dude, we're Agile. I'm like, oh, uh, what does that mean? Uh, we don't write specs. We don't write docs. We start coding, and we tell the business when 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 we're going to be done. I'm like, wow. Apparently, you guys are on a different 
level of understanding of agile than I am because that's not at all uh, where I'm coming at. And so I've, I've seen pockets of that over and over and over again uh, throughout the last, oh, geez, it's almost been, uh, well, since, since Agile became a noun, um, I think is, is when I started hearing more, a lot about that. So how did it play out with that team that was, uh, you know, sort of trying to direct the business? So one of the things that, you know, I try never to do is introduce conflict when I'm a management consultant. So I'm not going to come in and tell people you're totally wrong. You know, I, I back away and I just kind of start, you know, uh, working with axioms. I said, you know, I realized right away that I had a long journey ahead. So I just decided to kind of drop the term agile. And that's, in fact, my overall strategy when I found that I'm going to be running into uh, some issues around the understanding of Agile. So I'll actually just kind of drop the term Agile, and I either come back to some lean um, uh, vocabulary or just pure application lifecycle management vocabulary, and I start talking about the problems and, and what problems they're trying to solve. And then I start talking about ways that they can you know, uh, address, you know, find the root cause to those problems. And then once we find the root cause, what can we put in place to prevent those problems? And so I kind of stay away from the agile world and just kind of do it one step at a time and I get them really good at solving problems versus um, adopting agile you know and as the weeks and months go by I go guys guess what you're not you're now an agile team hooray um, and uh, you know they didn't see it coming almost like you fooled them into doing agile exactly I fooled them in fact I, I remember along the way a lot of them saying well that's not very agile I'm like okay <laughs> Let's just keep on going because it's always a real problem here. And why do you think the terminology change, just dropping the term agile and going into more generic terminology made it more successful? Was it because agile is an overloaded term or they had a bad experience with agile or something else? In most cases, they, there weren't uh, any bad experiences with agile, but it was uh, coming from perhaps agile being an overloaded term. I mean, I remember being at conferences in the early agile days and listening to speakers, you know, you know, uh, literally thumping the Bible saying, if you're not doing test driven development, you can't be agile. I'm like, whoa, really? And, and these are the guys that are speaking and writing books and writing articles. And I remember kind of being disillusioned myself going, geez, I'm not getting something here then. Maybe it's my understanding. Maybe I fundamentally don't get agile if that's what that, you know, that trusted guy up on the stage is telling me, because I don't do test-driven development. Does that mean I'm, I can't be agile? Geez, I thought it was agile, you know, second-guessing myself. Um, there was a lot of that, and I would go to conference after conference, and I would be hearing similar things, you know, uh, that's not agile, this is agile, and it became this rigid definition of this nebulous term, agile, and I'm like, it started to scare me, and if it started to scare me, a guy who's kind of devoted my entire career since I was in, you know, since I you know, came out of university and even before then to the process of developing software. If it's, if it's disillusioned me, then what is it for people who are just trying to get their job done? It must be pretty confusing. Were you able to then bridge some of the terminology and features that management was already comfortable with and then have that transcend to the agile values? You know, that's an excellent question because that's when I started to kind of pull upon my experience with Lean um, and using terminology that might have come from the lean thinking side of the world. So in management, you know, a lot of them are familiar with the term, you know, with, with lean thinking. Um, you know, a lot of Japanese terms in there, but, you know, I would kind of drop the Japanese terms and kind of get to the concept of waste. 
hey, Mr. Manager or Mrs. Manager, we don't want to do things that are wasteful, right? We would love to be able to produce more value with the same amount of effort, wouldn't you? Uh, and if they say no to that, then that's pretty strange. So you kind of establish that baseline, and I've used lean thinking and lean terminology to be a, an excellent uh, um, fill gap, I guess, in terms of vocabulary. You know, one of the things that I, I have struggled with in terms of voc vocabulary in the past are scrum terminologies. You know, so, so I'm going to say, hey, you need a product owner, you need a scrum master, and these things are pretty foreign to managers at the business level who aren't familiar with um, you know, the evolution of Scrum and how, how it came about. So, you know, the vocabulary of Agile kind of needed to be um, boiled down into, I won't call it simpler, but kind of, you know, language that helps them solve a problem. And I found that in Lean, um, that language is fairly uh, deep set and goes back 50 or 60 years. So I've used a lot of lean thinking, lean vocabulary, lean mindsets to help bring in the, ado the adoption of Agile practices. So it sounds like you're really taking into consideration the entire culture of an organization. And you recently, on the Scrum Alliance, you did a webinar called What is a Culture of Innovation and How Do You Get It? So can you give us a little bit of information and some salient points from that webinar? Sure. I mean, the biggest premise behind the culture of innovation kind of starts with the definition of innovation. Um, I think that's another one of those terms like agile. You know, it's being used all over the place. I mean, I have it in my title. I'm a chief innovation officer. <laughs> Whoa. You know, what is that? You know, I could maybe call myself a chief agile officer. It's probably the same kind of meaning to a lot of people. But to me, the definition of, of innovation, and it's not just to me, it's, it's more kind of what we've all been seeing as a, as a good representation of innovation, is around the concept of change, getting good at change, but more importantly, get it good at meaningful change that adds value to our organization. So innova innovation really is about doing things better or change for the better, if you will, uh, for an organization. So when I talk about a culture of innovation, what I'm really talking about is a culture that is actually good at change. Um, because right now, uh, companies that are staying the same are likely not going to be around for very much longer. There's just too much competition. There's just too much change in the industry right now. Um, so organizations have to learn how to get good at change. And what we've found as we've been working with organizations is that there's usually three types of getting good at change. Um, you know, which is operationally, I need to, you know, get better at operating my business and getting good at uh, changing in small pieces how I deliver value to my customers with what I'm doing today. But the, then there's kind of like the bigger innovation, the more exciting one is how do I actually do different things with my, with my business? How can I provide different value or enhanced value to my customers, and that's a bit longer out. So we talk about kind of separating your organization into a couple of different horizons of innovation and innovative thinking. Uh, and really that was the, the crux of that, that presentation, is looking at an organization across three different horizons of types of change, one that's really further out that's kind of experimental in terms of, hey, you know, we could, you know, uh, add this type of value to our to our business or change our business in this way. I mean, I always ref refer to Amazon, you know, experimenting with, you know, different ways of doing um, um, commerce online. Now they have these little buttons that you can kind of put in your laundry room to say, I need more, you know, laundry detergent delivered. And, you know, that's easy, and, and, and it shows up a couple of days later. That's, you know, 
they experimented with that uh, long ahead of it kind of coming to the market. And they're experimenting with drone delivery. They're experimenting with using Uber drivers. And that type of innovation is around experimentation. And that's a lot you know, different than um, the type of innovation that you would normally see while you're operating your company. There's not a lot of, I would say, you know, big, huge experimentation when it comes to um, you know, taking your current business model and, and maximizing your return on it. However, you still need to get good at removing waste and innovating around how to remove waste and, and to uh, get good at, um, at doing uh, scaling, if you will. So that's a different type of innovation, but it's innovation nonetheless. And when you go into these organizations, how are they receptive to that message? Is there is there a lot of resistance and do they just want to hold on to the old ways, even if they know the, you know, the building's on fire, so to speak? No. You know, I, I would say over the last two years, there's absolutely been no resistance. I think, you know, we've been trying to work with do this bottom-up approach with Agile, if you will, for, for a decade. And we kind of get to this level. We kind of you know, bonk ourselves on the head when we try to cross the chasm between our IT groups who are you know, trying to be Agile and the way that the business runs. Over the last couple of years, that chasm hasn't really been there. It's been a pull mechanism. The business has been saying, oh my, I need to change. I, you know, I don't know what the next 18 or 36 months kind of look like for me. I need to be a little bit more nimble on my toes. And so they, they kind of start with Horizon 3, kind of that 18 to 36 month, what are we going to do then type of conversation. And guess what? The only way to do that type of work in a business is through agile practices. There's no way. You can't do big plan up front projects with that. You can't do waterfall because it's all about experimentation. And they get good at that using agile practices that start to kind of influence Horizon 2 and, in fact, Horizon 1. But more importantly and more, more interestingly, I would suggest, is that where we're finding Horizon 1, which is your operational innovation, if you will, is very much more like Kaizen and Lean. It puts a huge emphasis on uh, continual improvement and, and very specific um, patterns around ensuring that continual process is is part of the culture there. And that that's kind of the bigger hurdle that I've found in organizations because there's a lot of organizations, well, we've been doing this for 20 years. Yes, yes, you have. <laughs> you're, you're right. And you were successful for those 20 years, but um, you won't be successful as you move forward doing those same things in the same way for the next 20 years. The problem is, is or the reality is, I'm not saying that anymore. They're telling me that. And that's a huge shift that I've seen over the last couple of years. And it's exciting. That sounds really interesting. What are your thoughts on Agile and Lean outside of the world of IT? I actually think that, um, that it's happening right now. I think we're kind of in a, in a flex with the way that we work organizationally. And I think the reality is, is just like we saw tipping points you know, just like you know, the culmination of the, the the signing of the Agile Manifesto, that's happening in business right now. We're coming to the point where, at the business level, there's a huge recogni recognition that we need to be agile and nimble, and they're actually using these words, uh, agile, right? They're not necessarily using the word lean. Um, but they are, in fact, talking about agility. Now, they're not using it as we use it, as the big A agile, they're meaning it as being nimble, being quick to change, being, uh, being able to be responsive to the changing conditions, and maybe even being ahead of those conditions. And then the reality is, is that we've been living this 
for quite a while in the IT side and say, hey, hi, we, we have some solutions here. Uh, and they're using IT as a mechanism for business, uh, for business innovation. There's so much talk and chatter on the interweb these days about software eating the world. And it's totally true. Um, you know, every company is a, is a technology company to some degree or leverages technology. And it's the core of that innovation that is allowing them to be innovative in terms of business, how we engage with customers, how we engage with suppliers, how we engage with our employees is not the same and all relies upon technology. Thus, if you innovate on the technology side, you're going to be innovating on the business side. And so this is all happening right now as we speak. Um, and interestingly enough, um, you know, Lean and Agile are kind of, you know, leading, leading the way when it comes to the patterns that the businesses are adopting to allow them to express that agility. And again, small A agility versus the big A agility on our side. Well, speaking of the small A agility, is there's been this concept float around of the agile organization, an organization that embraces the, the principles and the values that we consider agile. What are your thoughts on on that, where an organization, or what would an agile organization look like in your in your mind? Yeah, so I have to admit I've been following that with great interest, and I have formed my own opinion that may be not the most common or the well-accepted one that's out there. To me, an agile organization puts emphasis on change and gives them the mechanism for them to do that. Because to me, agility is about changing direction. It's about changing for the better. It's about you know, doing it to increase the rate of value or to reduce waste in some way. So to me, an agile organization actually does one thing very well, which is in fact change. And so to me, an agile organization is one that the corner stone process or the keystone process of behavior, if you will, is in fact what we see in the lean world as a Kaizen event or the Kaizen model. Kaizen is that, that drumbeat where organizations use to keep them thinking about change. They, they find the obstacles that are preventing, that are getting in their way and they're removing those. They're finding new ways of, of getting better and they're not doing it in big, big ways. They're doing it in very, very small ways that are, being, that are very effective. Um, so when I see an agile organization, they're actually the organizations that have adopted this Kaizen mindset. And again, I, I use that term very uh, selectively with my audience, but I know that it, that it is well represented in the lean world. Uh, and in other organizations, it's just continuous process and uh, improvement. Now, on the second part of that keystone of behavior is, in fact, the respect for people. And that's what I'm starting to see more and more these days, and I see that in across a whole bunch of different um, metaphors, is that in reality, we have to respect the way people work. We're human beings. We're not assembly, you know, we're not things and robots on an assembly line. We have emotions. We like to think about how we work. The environment that we work in is really important to our productivity and our ability to actually be resilient to, to problems uh, and to change. So those two combined, having kind of the drumbeat, the cornerstone process, or the, sorry, the keystone process that allows us to have an, have an agile organization to make change a habit versus um, you know, something that's an exception. And the second is a recognition that we're all humans and we have to create a new type of workplace that is actually specifically designed to allow that to, to be fostered. 
it's something you said just really struck a chord with me when you were talking about how that ties in with lean and and I was at a conference the other day and they were talking about agile for manufacturing and they and a bunch of agile people some youngins so to speak thought that they invented a new process and I and I'm like old timers like like the three of us Daniel Joel and myself and remember agile came from the business side it came from manufacturing it came from lean and you mentioned a few times in in what you just mentioned with the agile organization lean so is agile for as we know it for IT and lean as we've known it more for manufacturing than in an organization are they on a bit of a collision course in your mind or are they more of a friendly merger I think they're a friendly merger to be honest with you I think that if you take a look at you made you guys are probably familiar with the the lean house right where you know we have a whole bunch of these kind of practices that uh, and at the at the base of this is really continuous improvement, and there's a whole bunch of you know lean terms that refer to that, like five S, you know, or the five Ys. Um, but and we have other things like Jadoka and JIT and all this other kind of stuff. These are really just kind of expressions of why we do um, agile. Um, you know, so are they on a friendly collision course? Absolutely. Are they, you know, um, uh, beneficial to each other? Absolutely. And I, I very rarely discuss agile without talking about, you know, the lean um, stack, if you will, to have them intersect one another. And I see that as we start kind of broadening out agile, as well as start thinking a little differently about lean, we're going to see that both bodies are probably going to come together. And I think the biggest recognition of that is it's very difficult to find people even on their websites when they're doing agile they always say lean and agile now lean and agile lean and agile uh, it's very rare that you'll see them kind of separate anymore so is the next iteration of this you know lagile I don't know I like I like lagile I just invented that just now so the agile manifesto has been around now for about 15 years and there's many purists out there um, and even I would say some folks that are dogmatic What's your bit in your experience with combining Scrum and Kanban together? You know, really, really good, actually. Um, and I, I invented my own little methodology um, that actually has um, kind of Kaizen at its heart. So this drum, this, meth this method that is continual process improvement across the whole thing that's, uh, you know, that has a Kanban board that allows me to understand the flow of value that I'm trying to produce that uses scrum to control the flow of uh, work within a particular um, a chunk of time that even within that that uses a Kaizen mechanism to control that work right so these are very well intersecting processes and I actually can't imagine doing work without these processes anymore I don't actually think I can do a purist scrum because I think that there's holes in the scrum. I don't, these are not holes by accident. These are just, you know, uh, deliberate uh, aspects of scrum that they don't give you absolute prescriptive guidance around. But how to manage the flow of value isn't, you know, isn't, at an overall perspective, isn't necessarily a scrum thing, uh, or even how to manage specifically the flow of work within a sprint. Those things are really complemented very well from my opinion, with, with a Kanban. Um, and again, they could be at a very high level, the flow of overall value to the, even the flow of work uh, using Kanban, but using the kind of the scrum drumbeat and principles and uh, discipline around the execution of that attainment of value uh, is a very natural fit into all that. 
I'm wondering who's influenced you or what books or resources have influenced you? Because over the years, just personally, some full disclosure, you and I have worked together a few times and you've given me some really good books that have influenced me. So what are the ones that have influenced your thinking? Um, there's been so many. I'm one of those guys who consumes a, a heck of a load of books every year. And, and I think I think David Anderson, uh, in some of his early works, uh, has really kind of set me on the right track. And, um, for example, he wrote a book um, on the theory of constraints that really kind of brought together a lot of lean thinking with agile that, you know, I remember just marking it up and putting pencil notes and exclamation marks going, yes, you know. That was in my head, but I didn't know it was in my head, and I totally agree with that. Um, I think there was a book called uh, Future Driven Development. That's an old book um, that really kind of got me thinking about the, the merger between Lean and Kanban and, and software development. It, you know, it didn't call those out, but the way FDD works was very Kanban-y. Um, I think Peopleware, a very old, old book, DeMarco, really got me to think about, is just, you know, this is about people. Um, there's so many ways to, to demoralize and kill your team um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with, you know, automated builds or cycles or anything like that. But we're, we're working with emotional beings um, that it plays a huge role in terms of how we are successful. If we don't communicate well as humans, how can our software work well together? Um, you know, we have in the early, early days, rapid application development. Remember that one, that RAD book by McConnell? Uh, also, kind of like, yes, that's that's in my head as well. That, that was my Bible in the mid to late 90s. Absolutely it was. I took that thing everywhere. Uh, and and showed it, um, but again, it was it was more of a reflection of what I had experienced working with teams and and saying someone wrote this down. This is awesome. In fact, uh, I remember uh, when I when I first started Imagine It in 1997. I by that time I had collected a number of um, practices, and I started calling those that collection CEPI, Software Engineering Process Improvement. And they were they were a combination of my own experiences, but also um, you know. Uh, glimmers of knowledge that I took from some books that expanded upon that, and uh, and then one day you know Agile came around as like oh my God you know that's Seppi <laughs> you know it's, that happened quite a bit um, these days um, one book I read about two years ago was called SDLC 3.0 um, uh, by Kinsley I believe is his name was that really nailed it it's it's not a trivial read. Um, he goes into a lot of depths in terms of the mergers of methodologies, and I think he actually brings all of the methodologies that have ever existed on the planet for software engineering into this book and has shown the progression of them and how they've uh, influenced one another. And from that has been able to extrapolate where, we, where we're probably going with them. Um, and uh, so SDLC 3.0 has been a huge impact. But, uh, but then thinking about it from the business side, Lean Startup has been a huge um, uh, way of thinking about how to work at a business level with these Lean practices. And then even furthermore, um, you know, the, the four steps to the epiphany um, has been a really strong influence or has nothing to do with agile per se, but thinking about how to do business development, um, not only from a startup, but even just from an enterprise innovation perspective, I, I think has clear implications too. And then how to use agile to actually make all that real. Those have been some really big influences on me. Those are great. That's quite a reading list. And what we'll do is we'll list that 
when we release our podcast, we'll list that for all the listeners. So all you listening at home, don't feel like you need to write all those down. We'll get the list from Joel and put it up on the podcast. So Joel, what we like to do on our show is ask people what their thoughts are and what their vision is for Agile in the future. Where is it going? What does it look like a year from now, two years from now, and so on? I think that um, we need to be careful with Agile and, and still make it a pull system. I think that we have seen a lot of organizations start to push it out. Um, and I, I have a hard time thinking that that will be as successful as, you know, the push out of the rational unified process, you know, 20 years ago. I think we need to be careful with that. Agile works because um, agile adoption has worked for me because I've pulled it in because it solves real problems. Where I've seen any process fails when we push it out, and I'm afraid that we're going to be using a push thought process to push out agile. So you know, I'm going to be a new CTO in a new company. I'm going to come in and save the day. And by the way, in two months, everybody's going to be agile and everybody's going to be running Scrum. And then, you know, then we become prescriptive. <laughs> with what that really is. This is the way we do Agile. This is the way we do Scrum. This is the way we roll things out. I'm worried about that. I'm, I'm worried that it's going to get us into the, the trap of process again. You know, uh, Steve, you and I have talked many times about the Agile buffet, and I'm still a strong believer of the Agile buffet which still is based on a pull model for process adoption. Here's a problem I'm trying to solve. Here are the practices that Agile can, you know, can prescribe to me, and I'm going to pull them in to solve a real problem, and they'll stick. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm worried about that. I think that overall, I think... The, what we're going to find in five years, like when we when we sit on our porches, you know, in five years looking back, or even ten years, smoking smoking pipes with a smoking jacket on. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we're going to find that agile is the only way. Um, it it does without the brands. You yeah, mean, without, without the, brands. the scrum brand. Or, right. Yeah, I think we're we're going to find is that the brands will will dissipate, but but I just I want to say that the brands aren't bad per se because they get you into a, a it's a keystone behavior it's a pattern if you will they get you practicing it's like doing uh, katas right when you become a black belt all of your patterns that you've learned go away they're meaningless you've kind of gone beyond the patterns um but the patterns that you learn when you're a white belt are really important. And I think that we're, when we've achieved our black belt status, I think the brands will go away. And what's left is, um, you know, this, this, the, the only way that makes sense, which are a collection of these uh, agile practices, but adopted in a way that solves true problems. And I think at the heart of this will be Kaizen, continuous process improvement. Um, and, and, and just to kind of even more reflective on that, it, when I go into teams and I work with them still today and they go, oh, you know, what, what methodology are you using? And they go, oh, Scrum. I'm like, my first question is, do you do retrospectives? And they go, ah, yeah, sometimes. I'm like, okay, you need to do retrospectives because that is the thing that pulls in all of the other goodness beyond Scrum. It pulls in the Kanban. It, it pulls in the additional practices that Scrum isn't prescriptive about. And without that, you can't evolve past that particular pattern that you're in. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really important reflection. So I think, to answer your question more succinctly, I think that the brands will go away. Um, continuous process improvement will be the catalyst for adopting the only thing that makes sense in the world today to develop software and to run your business is Agile. So shifting gears, Joel, um, what's next for you? What are some new exciting projects you're working on or key speaking engagements for the second half of 2016 
that are coming your way or books that you may be writing or things like that? It's funny, you know, I always write. Um, yeah, I'm always writing something and sometimes they don't make it to my blog. Um, but I'm one of those guys who thinks when, when they write. So um, I have probably a thousand pages of written material that I would love to maybe bring together and maybe start more actively publishing on my blog, uh, kind of like deep thoughts, if you will. Um, just stuff that I haven't been either comfortable with releasing um, at that time because, you know, am I too far out there to be talking about this stuff? Or even just kind of historic experiences and kind of slowly start to increment that on my blog. I'm not thinking I'm going to write another book, um, the, the, or, or if I do, it will be different. It will be kind of uh, less um, waterfall-based and a little more agile, if you will, when it comes to book writing. I mean, I've done four of them, and it uh, was never a, a great experience. I, I love writing, though. And I think that is probably a better way to kind of get that out. From a speaking perspective, I do a lot of, um, of corporate events these days. I do a lot of corporate speaking, mostly with executives, to talk about kind of the changing environment of business. And so, you know, I guess that's one thing that my gray hairs are allowing me to do is having different conversations about the same thing with a different audience. So instead of talking to, to development teams or IT managers about the benefits of adopting Agile, I'm now talking to exec executives about how they can be um, Agile and nimble in their business and, and, and how to get to the root causes and allow them to be responsive in this new business economy. So I'm doing a ton of um, kind of private sessions, uh, mostly with you know, very, very large organizations that might be struggling with kind of thinking about how innovation uh, works into their environment. Um, but I'm also getting very, very passionate about workplace experiences. Um, you know, obviously the pattern that you adopt these agile practices are really important. But when I think about how we work, what organizations can provide to me to energize me, to get me feeling creative, allow me to connect with my peers. That environment, those workplace environments, be it digital or analog and physical, are really, really important. And I seem to be doing much more thinking in the workplace experiences way, oh, sorry, a mindset these days than I am necessarily in the puristic agile lean area. Um, you know, how, how should we arrange you know, our office furnitures, uh, you know, how, how should we, what are the different types of settings that we need to work in? And then how do I transition between those settings? I could start off, you know, on the train in the morning with an idea. And how does that idea go from being in the workplace and then collaborating with people and then coming back to exploring, you know, the different facets of that idea? So the transition of work within those workplace experiences absolutely fascinates me these days, and I seem to be doing more and more work in that area with organizations. Joel, that's been super insightful. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's always a, you can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, every time I get an opportunity to talk uh, like this to like-minded people, I get really energized. So thanks for having me so much. Thank you. Next week on Agile Next, we have the founding team of EZS Solutions from Bombay and Pune, India. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv.